Hey everybody, we're here with uh, Tobin. How's it going, man? Good. Good. Well, today's podcast is going to be interesting, deep, powerful, and hopefully healing for a lot of people. I hope it gives some people some guidance or some insight to let you know that you're definitely not alone and that there's other solid men out here trying to figure it out just like you guys. So with that being said, obviously you guys who listen to my podcast know that I've been trying to figure out who I am, what I'm doing, what is a human being and all this different stuff. And Tobin has now... He picked up the journey about, what, a year ago, a year and a half ago? It was about a year and a half ago. So it probably legitimately started the first time I went to an ayahuasca ceremony, and it was a group for veterans. Um, And I think one of the things that, in hindsight, you know, they tell you that the medicine doesn't stop working just because you've come out of the journey. And I think that, I mean, there's no way to to quantify it or confirm it, but I I think that everything that's I've been going through over the last year and a half started with that journey. Yeah. 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 Well, they say once the medicine's inside of you, it's with you forever. Yeah. Forever. Because it's the spirit. You've ingested the spirit and asked to connect with the spirit, with your spirit. Yeah. And that's not in this realm. That's not of this world. And so it's with you. And so even though, you know, we're not on an ayahuasca trip and it's a year and a half later, that spirit's still helping you. But one of the things that people don't understand about the healing journey is it's not all light and fucking love and roses. Your soul starts to heal, but what comes along with that is all of the attachments and things that your life consisted of also get ripped out of it. Because if you want to raise your vibration, anything that isn't aligning with the new vibration that you're trying to go to ceases to exist. Yeah, I think uh, maybe that's a good point, too, is that if, if this is something that people are interested in, they need to understand that they're going to go through a lot of shit along the way. It's, <laughs> it's, it's not, yeah, like you said, it's not going to be hugs and rainbows the entire way. It's not. It's, you're going to go deep into the darkness that's inside of you. And you may find some things there that you don't like, but you'll never, ever put them to rest unless you go identify them. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. Mm-hmm. So it's it. there are times when it's amazing and rewarding, and there are times when it's fucking hard. Um, yeah, I don't know. If I'm not as talkative as I normally am, it's because I'm, once again, outside my comfort zone on a lot of this, and I'm trying to decide how much to say and how much to keep to myself, mm-hmm. trying to let as much as possible come out. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, so, this will be a very it, different flavor from anybody who's listened to our uh, Enlightened Neanderthals podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, there's there's a time and place for everything, right? Yeah, and I mean, even for me, most of the time, I'm like a three year old child in a thirty five year old body. Yeah, there's other times, which right now, it's I can feel the energies a little bit more dense yeah, and it's a time to be less three-year-old <laughs> yeah and then there's more. also a time like at jujitsu where i put that all away and i literally become viking warrior tyler yeah and you know there's it's it's interesting to be able to try and learn you know it's not that i'm not being in my true authentic self or i'm shape-shifting and being someone i'm not it's so that i have multiple different energies with inside of me as does everyone 
and there's a time and place to use those elements. Right now, it feels ground element. Yeah. yeah. Ground yeah, element. Right. It's very somber. Yes. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> first off, I want to say I'm proud of you. Because you. what you're doing, like man to man, brother to brother, is pretty fucking admirable, if you ask me. Because most dudes are not actually man enough to say they have problems or faults or that they fucked up or yeah. anything like that. They, yeah. they, they have way too much pride well, and ego. Well, that was me. <laughs> oh, me too. Me yeah. too. And so, you know, real, real recognizes real. And I've had to walk the journey and say, oh, I'm not perfect. I'm not king shit. I am actually have a lot of wounds that need to be fixing or he, healing, healed rather. And then I see my brothers walking the path too. And it's like, fuck yeah. If no one's giving you an attaboy, I'm giving you an attaboy. All so, right, take it. so anyways, what originally even got you to start this path? Or how did you even know about it? I honestly do not remember. It's my friend Dave. Um, who's He's like my brother from another mother. Army buddy from way back when. He and I have always been tight. Um, and he is very proactive as a uh, proponent of like psilocybin treatments for veterans and for honestly for first responders, anybody who's having some sort of uh, emotional or psychological difficulty. And so he invited me to that first ayahuasca ceremony. And I can't remember why I felt compelled to go. Like, honestly, I don't like back then it would have been way outside. My, it, it was way outside my comfort zone. And I, even, even the fact that I showed up to it, might be a little bit of the spirit of the medicine, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, just like we said a few minutes ago, I think that was the beginning of everything. Like, it started to break down. I think I had sort of created almost like a facade where, you know, house in the suburbs, 2.5 kids, 9 to 5 job, blah, 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 everything's good. But underneath it, I was miserable. Yep. This is not what I wanted. This is not... And that's not a knock on the people in my life. It's not like I don't love my kids. It's not like I don't, you know, I'm going through a divorce right now, but I still love Jen. She's, of course. A, she's a good person. I want her to be happy. She and I are not right for each other. I know that now. Um, and I think she would agree with that. But surface level, facade level, we looked right for each other, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so I think that first ceremony was the beginning of that facade starting to sort of melt away. Mm -hmm. And I wonder how many people are living behind that facade because that's what you're told from the time you're young, go to school, get a good job, get married, have a family. But nobody talks to you about like, what, what does your heart want? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I wanted to be a cowboy when I was a kid mm -hmm. and I spent my time. People think that, you know, I probably had all these traumatic experiences in the wars and the reality is I was living a cowboy life in my twenties. And my mom even said to me, she said, you were very happy when you were, you know, cause at some point as this divorce started, um, she, she told me, she said, you know, you haven't been happy in a long time. And I was thinking about you the other day and I, because I wondered if the unhappiness started when you were in war. And she said, I don't remember you being unhappy during those years. And I said, I wasn't, I was living the life I wanted on my terms. And it wasn't until I got married and agreed to basically change my life to suit 
the facade, right? Mm-hmm. And since then, I have been unhappy. And, you know, you find little moments of joy and whatnot. And, like, st- again, like, you love your kids. They make you happy. They bring happiness to your life. But the deeper... Oh, man, how do I say this? It's like there's there's something missing. You know what I mean? It, mm-hmm. You're not living, or I was not living the life that I was called to live. And so now, on the backside of all this, I'm starting to feel like I'm coming out of this. Like there's there's... I've been in this long, dark tunnel, and now I can see light at the end of it. And the light at the end of it is the beginning of me establishing a life that is is good to me, is rewarding to me, that is fulfilling to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's And we've got a lot to talk about between here and there. <laughs> here and there, yeah. You know, there's a... When you say that, it's like we love our kids. I remember before I started all this, I love Vanessa. I love my kids. I loved things but when you don't have something to compare it to like i know what love is on a whole nother level now but i didn't know that then so if, so it's weird because you're or like my soul knew that there was something more it longed for something deeper than just vanity and finances i had the wife i had the kids i had a truck i had a good job i had built a home but why am i still yearning for something more like there isn't anything more or is there and what i found is that man can only see out as far as he can see in and that's a pretty big uh that's yeah it's that's a pretty big metaphor or what i don't know is that what that is a metaphor no it's a uh it's just a little tidbit of wisdom is what i would call that and it's like what does that even mean you can only see out as far as you can see in I don't know how to explain it to you, but but I understand well, it. Well, I, mean, I think a lot of people, myself included, recently, until recently, were not willing to look in because they, they were afraid of what they might find. Mm-hmm. And so then that puts your outward look very surface level. So you say, I'll be happy if I have a new truck, or I'll be happy if I have this. You know what I mean? It's, it's uh, like people call it retail therapy or whatever. You feel good for a minute when you buy it. Yeah. And then within an hour it wears off, and that new truck is... Just a truck. An $800 car payment now once a month. Yeah. Yeah. It's now a it's a burden. It's a big burden. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. And so I think the deeper, the deeper you're willing to look inside yourself and start to realize what's important to you, the less you give a shit about the truck or the, the house or, you know, name, name the thing. You just, it doesn't matter as much anymore because you're more in tune with, yourself yeah i i feel that 100 percent. i got rid of a really nice truck i had a nice toyota trd pro and i drive an old piece of shit hyundai yep. and they're like why i don't fucking care doesn't matter the, anymore. the truck wasn't doing what i wanted it to do i need a yeah. farm truck yeah and so it, it was a waste of money and it was just fucking it up and it, it, was, it, was, it was an asphalt clock. yeah it was yeah. terrible for what i wanted to do and i don't care about vanity anymore and I realize that fi- finances is important to me because we do live in a world where you have to have it. Yes. But it's not that finances is actually important comfort. to me. I, I want a little bit of comfort. I want a warm house. I want a dry bed. And I want to know that there's a little bit put aside so that if there is some fucked up situation, I've got, I've got a little something put away for a rainy day. But I'm also beginning to really believe in abundance. Mm-hmm. That as long as I am putting forth 
positive energy, like with my training Northwest classes, mm-hmm. people just keep showing up. Yeah. And it's, so I don't even worry anymore. I used to really stress going out to the range that like, is the class going to be good enough? Mm-hmm. Now, when I'm driving to the range on a morning where I'm teaching, I am concentrating on putting myself in a position where I'm going to give energy to these people. Yep. I'm going to give of myself energy to these people. And I know that the next class will then be full. It's a completely and different mindset. Exactly. Well, it's a completely different energy. And, I, and I don't think about it in terms of money either. So then the money comes because <laughs> they sign up for the class, but I'm not thinking about wealth. I'm thinking about giving them high energy value. You've elevated, you've elevated your vibration. You just confirmed it for me. I need. I feel like I need to assess after this because yeah. what you just explained to me is exactly what happens when you start to raise your own vibration. Is it starts to become less about your own self servitude and your own things. What you're realizing is I actually feel best about myself when I give the proper energy out to the other and then the byproduct is they then gift it back to me tenfold. Yeah. So instead of you in the scarcity, lack of abundance mindset. Yes. So when I started the business, I was afraid. I was like, what if I put all this money into the business and then it doesn't come back to me? What if I start a failing business? And those first couple of years, those first year was lean because not a lot of people signed up. And then somewhere along the way, I had a couple good size classes it's like, I'm just going to give everything I got into this. And at some point I realized that people aren't out here because I'm some YouTube superstar or, uh, you know, have some popular following on social media. They keep telling their friends and coming back because I give of myself. Like, it's so important. To, like, I actually believe in what I'm teaching, for one. I believe in... Um, it's not even guns. It's I believe in responsibility, self <laughs> self reliance, and taking matters into your own hands and not relying on somebody else to do things for you. And this is just one little aspect of that, but it's one that I'm capable and competent of teaching. So then, because I believe in the message and I believe in what I'm doing, and it's important to me that these people take something away, it's very easy for me to just give energy mm-hmm. and not where I don't worry so much about. Oh man the image, mm-hmm. right? I'm, I'm no longer trying to create a marketing image like a, uh, I don't want to call out any other companies, but mm-hmm. a lot of them, a lot of their success is based on their marketing on social media or YouTube or whatever. I don't worry about that, that image, that marketing image anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm just putting out positive energy and the people who come and experience it. I think then they, they do the marketing for me. Yes. Yes. It's fucking amazing. Yeah. Because instead of you being on the hunt, always in scarcity, trying to chase, you have switched the energy to, no, I'm not going to go chase that vibration because that's all a certain vibration. Obviously, the higher vibration, you're going to ascend to that vibration. Yeah, I, I bring the vibration. Exactly. And then it, and then it come. comes to you. Yes. And you're not out there hunting anymore. Now, instead of you doing it to... to be cool or to make money or, or whatever it is, you're doing it because that's your true nature. You want to give the wisdom that you hold and because you want to give with no expectations, unconditional love, then the universe rewards you on that and gifts back. 
Yeah. And, the, and the people who are on that vibration come along and they're like, hey, can I sign up for this day? And then, boom, it just, it's grid work. It's what we were talking about yeah. downstairs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so I don't even know, because we're getting a little bit off track. Do we want to back up and... I want to take this wherever you want to take it. I, I think we should start with the mushroom ceremony that you and I did with another friend from the gym, because this is really... So I, I say that it began a year and a half ago at that first ayahuasca ceremony, but what came after that was sort of a slow grind and a slow realization. And then shortly after uh, my ex-wife and I separated, and I was in a dark place. Mm-hmm. Like I know, I felt you. Very I, fucking, like, bro, and I'm, uh, okay, like I said, we're going to get a little, yeah. like, I came very close to putting my pistol in my mouth mm-hmm. several times, like, I, I, like dangerously close. Okay. Um, and then there was a day where here we are in western Washington, winter is coming, the rain's been, you know, we've had this uh, El Nino winter, we've had insane amounts of rain, we had a nice weekend, sunshine, blue skies, and I texted you and I said, hey, this would be the night to have a mushroom ceremony with a couple of the core guys from the gym. I'll invite them all out. And then I said, oh, by the way, I'm going to add this other person in who I think they need a little bit of, uh, like, just, just I've been around them. Even, even as low as I've felt, I've also noticed that this person's going through a tough time, and I would like them included. And you were like, yes. Yes. And I didn't know it at the time, but congruently or at the same time, parallelly, parallelly, yeah. the word? Fuck it. In parallel. It is now. <laughs> in parallel. You had been texting the same person, and they had been interested in a mushroom ceremony. Mm-hmm. And then the way it worked out, none of the core guys could show up, and so it just ended up being the three of us, and it was like, the stars aligned on this one. This was supposed to happen this yep. way. Yep. And so that night was this other person talking about their failed relationship, and it was like someone was holding up a mirror for me. And I didn't I didn't say much that whole night because it was their night to vent and their night to unload. But I also took a huge amount of value out of that because, like I said, this, this person held up a mirror and showed me all the things I had been doing wrong for the last 10 years in my marriage. It was your and night to listen. It was my night to listen. And... Uh, <coughs> from a... From a- from a woman's perspective. Yes. Yes. And so that was a Saturday night. And this was, I had what I thought was a herniated disc in my spine at the time mm-hmm. where I could barely move. Yeah. So I, I was, why having, don't you, why don't you stop right there and explain just the setting? Where were we? We're, we were out behind your house on the trail at the little, it's almost like a little hut out there and there's a fire pile. It's a perfect spot for a ceremony. Uh huh. Um, and Tyler had made like, because my back was so fucked up, you had made me kind of a little bed with a foam pad that I could lay down on. Cause I was in, I was in extreme amounts of pain, like, ridiculous, ridiculous. Amount. Like you couldn't sit down. You Physical couldn't bend pain. over. Yeah. In fact, one time I fell, fell off of that off. fucking thing because I couldn't, I wasn't flexible enough to have balance. And I literally went flopping off the bed. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I was like, what the fuck? You didn't see that. And you were like, no, I couldn't stop myself yeah. because your back hurt too bad. Yeah. Um, and so following that ceremony, that was a Saturday night. Tuesday, I had an appointment at the spine clinic to have my back looked at. And I was driving there, and I had a podcast on. It was the Sean Ryan show, and it was a man named Tom Satterley, who um, he's also been through the ringer with PTSD and divorces and alcoholism, et cetera. 
And, you know, sometimes when you're driving and you're just, you're not really paying attention completely, your mind's kind of wandering a little bit. But he said something that just caught me and just sucked me in. I thought, oh, I'm going to start listening to this. And uh, I, I listened intently for a few minutes and I was like, fuck. Because for 15, 20 years, I've been the guy who says, I, I don't have PTSD. I don't need to go to any kind of treatment for this. There was no one traumatic experience that like scrambled my eggs, but listening to him talk about his life after, after the military and just the downward spiral. And I went, Oh fuck me. And I looked up symptoms of PTSD and I started going down the list. Yes, 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 yes. And I got to about number 10 and I was like, Oh shit. I um, think I got this. Yeah, I'm 10, <laughs> I'm 10 for 10 on the first page. Yep. And, uh, just sort of having that realization was in a way that lifted a big weight off of me because at least once, like I told you guys downstairs an hour ago, what is the first, what, when you're a boy scout, what do they tell you? What is step number one? If you think you might be lost in the woods, admitting that you're lost, because until you admit to yourself that you're lost, you can't begin to come up with a plan to get unlost. You're just wandering around. So step number one was saying, all right, fuck, I have PTSD. Mm -hmm. And it's not like you're going to magically cure it. But like I said, this huge weight kind of came off my, my, uh, my shoulders because I thought, or not thought, but now it's okay. I I know what I'm dealing with. Mm -hmm. And then it was as I left that spine clinic that you called me and were like, Hey bro, uh, there's, there's an ayahuasca ceremony Sunday night that I just got invited to. And there's an extra spot. And I thought of you. Here we are. The, and I was like, I don't, this is terrifying. I don't want to go do ayahuasca right now because it's not fun. Uh-huh. And, but everything is lining way too, like it's too obvious. Yeah. This is something I need to go do. Universal language. Yes. <coughs> so then fast forward a couple days to, I picked, no, you came, we, we rode together to the ceremony. Mm-hmm. And there, I didn't. I don't even know if I've told you this until now. There were a couple points on that drive to the ceremony where I almost pulled over because I was like, "Bro, I'm in the medicine, mm-hmm. and I am too fucked up to drive." Mm-hmm. And I can't even remember, like, because I was in. I don't really remember all the things you and I talked about, but a lot of the clarity that I needed didn't come that night. It came before we even drank the tea, talking to you in the car, which is fucking wild it is fucking wild because you don't actually need the medicine for this stuff exactly the medicine is there for us when our pride and ego we can't figure out how to push it aside so in that particular realm when you were driving not being able to fully put your attention on me you're trying to pay attention to the road in hindsight i should have pulled over because i was fighting back the medicine Mm mm-hmm because I was like, I have to constantly, we're in heavy traffic, I need to pay attention, but I am going, like, I can feel myself going in, Yep. but I need to not. Yeah, <laughs> and, and it's like, what well, it should have happened, hey, Tyler, I'm going in the medicine right now, you got to drive, bro. Roger that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But it, I was still telling, I was like, we haven't even drank tea, why is this? <laughs> it doesn't matter. But, you know, yeah. It's the spirit. It's the spirit, not the, the medicine itself. The medicine itself is the body of it. So... Piggyback on piggybacking off of that, some of the lessons that you were receiving on mushroom ceremony night were kind of the the foundation for what we were talking about in the car in the ride. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it was very much 
a little bit of like integration. Yes. But as we started that integration, I started going in again. Mm-hmm. And I should, yeah, I, we should have just pulled over and gone in. I want to actually talk about one of the things that we discussed and, and uncovered on Mushroom Night. Okay. About the on off switch. Yes. About what that is yes. and about how us men in particular. It's an emotional on off switch for yes. you guys listening. Yes. So. Me being the facilitator, stones and bones shaman around the campfire, holding space and 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 just trying to, you know, hold a nice container of safety and comfort and protection, while I was watching you and the other person integrate, discuss, analyze, digest, compute. I had got this feeling of. I used to do exactly what Toby's doing or d- was doing. Yeah, turn off. Turn off. Yes. It was like this thing of, hey, I used to do that. I used to do that all the time because I didn't know that I was doing it. Yeah, and just to kind of elaborate on the off switch itself, it's it's useful in war because bad things happen and the mission has to continue. So you just snap, you turn off your emotions and you, you Charlie Mike, continue mission. Yep. And that is... It's it's necessary for your own survival and for the survival of your friends because just because something bad happened to one of them, there's still nine more to protect. Compartmentalization. So you, exactly. So you flip those emotions off and you continue the mission. And the next night there's another mission. So you leave the off switch off. And the next night there's another mission. So you leave the off switch off. Yep. And before you know it, you get really good at flipping that off switch. And then you come home and there's no more war. And when things go sideways with your wife or your kids or whatever, you just flip the off switch because it's easy for you now. Well, your brain doesn't understand the difference between a you don't spiritual, even mental, or physical war. Yeah. You're at you're going to the fight or yes. flight. And we'll get there with uh, at the end of the ceremony when Mazel put her hand on my chest, and you know how I reacted. Yeah. Um, but back to your point is you you may not even know that you're using the off switch anymore. At some point, you're just going about your life as normal and leaving. Uh, kind of a trail of wreckage behind you because it's easy for you to just turn it off and keep going. Like, everything's fine. I don't know what... Why, why is everybody so upset? I had no idea that I was doing that. I didn't either. I don't think... In, I don't until, think we until do. Until we sat around the fire, I had no clue. And I think that that's the, that's the trickery of it, right? If we knew that we were doing that, right, we wouldn't be doing that. But we don't know. And not only that, until I was ready to hear what you would have to hear, I would have told you to go shut the fuck up. Yeah. You don't know what it's like to be me. You don't know what I carry in my pocket or what I stand for. Yeah, totally. Total pride and ego of like literally fight you to the death if you even try to get near any of my wounds. Yes. Oh, that that's, that's another <laughs> great point is that all those wounds then you put up. It's like metaphorical armor around your wounds to protect them. Yeah. Because if, if they get ripped open further, then they might bleed more. So you start placing armor around your wounds and around your heart so that that, that wound can't be damaging to you anymore. And if someone gets close to your armor, starts trying to take that armor off, that triggers that fight. You're going to fight viciously. A hundred percent. Because you're not going to let that wound get reopened. The, that vulnerability yeah. is just too much yes you literally fight to the death to make yeah. sure that no one ever energetically starts doing operation on you yeah 100 percent. not until that not until you give them consent yeah but that's also where the healing's at 
Right. Well, so now taking uh, we're getting I think we're, we're going all over the place. Fuck it. But taking taking that armor off is the beginning of healing, and that's another one. I'm I'm not even going to pretend I have the answers to that because my armor is still very much there, mm-hmm. and it's going to be that's this is the hard part. We said it's not all hugs and rainbows. Getting that armor off is going to fucking suck. Yes. Yes. It's it's uh, it's probably one of the hardest things that you could ever do in your whole life. I I would agree with that one hundred percent. And I've had little glimpses. Um, that first ceremony, we took heart medicine, and it it didn't just peel the armor off a little bit. It fucking blasts it down like a tornado, mm-hmm. and you feel incredible. Oh, my God. But the problem is when it wears off, you start to slowly, that armor starts to slowly come back on. The, the, the benefit of it, the beauty of it, is that it lets you know there's something different. Mm-hmm. This armor does come off. There are cracks in it. And this is how you can feel. I can't imagine feeling like that daily. <laughs> right? You can. You yeah. can. But until you understand how to harness that power, because that power, uh, if you don't know how to harness it, can be that's a powerful feeling. And you could use that, and that could just literally gorge your shadows of dessert and fill your pride and ego up this big and destroy you. Or through time of learning this self-mastery journey you can acquire that and harness that as the ascended masters yeah but but you don't see i can't imagine a 20 year old kid being able to rock that feeling all day every day yeah you know what i mean yeah it's the the world is also extremely cruel oh sure you you got to have a little like there are people out there who you need to be able to put up your armor when they come around Uh uh-huh but then i guess the the skill is how do you take it off when it's time? Yeah. That's the skill. That, that might be the real, the real like Jedi master level. Put it on when you need it. Take it off when you don't. That's the, the, my, um, metaphor of the sword of yeah. the on off switch. If I'm going to war, I'm turning that motherfucker off and we're going to get down. Yeah. However, when I'm at home in my community with my wife and my kids and my animals, I want that thing all the way up. I want to be the most loving, tender, kind dude they could possibly be around because I don't need to physically protect them. I need to emotionally and spiritually protect them. Yes. Give them that loving reassurance of, okay, even when we're spinning out of control and it's chaos, we run back to dad and he says, everything's going to be all right. Yeah. Okay, we're good because dad said so. Yeah. But before I did that, I turned that thing off. I tell him, fucking leave me alone. Yeah. And now they're yeah. in, they're in lost wolves by uh, themselves. Yes. <laughs> and hindsight being 2020 is when they're most obnoxious is when they need you to grab them and pull them closest. 100%. That's and they're I'm fucking guilty of it too where I'd be like, "Hey, can you fucking stop and just give me some space here? Like you are being really obnoxious right now." Yeah. But that is them needing you more than any other time. I agree. So that's the on-off switch. And it's uh, shitty to say these things cuz then it feels like you failed as a parent. And that's probably what keeps people from really going inside and evaluating these things is because you're, you're admitting some big failures. Like I have fucked up big time with my kids and it's, um, but you're writing that wrong as we sit here right now. You're saying, Hey, look, dad. I mean, not look dad, but Hey, look, kids, dad's not perfect. And neither are you. No one's perfect. We're a human being. What I'm doing is showing you that we're going to make mistakes. There is no written in stone way to do this. But 
a proper man says, hey, I fucked up, and this is what I'm doing to fix it, and this is how I'm going to go from now on. And that gives them permission to say, hey, I messed up. This is where I messed up. This is what I'm going to do, and this is how I'm going to fix it. If you don't ever do that, then you teach your kids the same fucking thing, and the legacy goes on and on and on. Uh Yeah. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's part of my motivation, too, is like I can already see my older one. He's he's starting to have that armor up, right? And it's like, fuck, that's mostly because of me, probably. And so now I have to figure out a way to reverse that, which starts at home with myself. And that's the shit, again, it's not all hugs and rainbows. You got to go in. There's going to be um, a lot of difficult self-reflection. Just like I'm, you know what I mean? Just to sit here and say, like, I didn't do a good job as a dad. Well, you're not done. That fucking sucks. You're not done. Yeah. Your kids are still young. Yeah. You don't know that you didn't do a good job. You might have not started off doing very good. You're doing better right now than you ever have. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like... When we go to jujitsu, we fucking suck. Yeah. And then we start learning. Oh, shit. I keep turning away. I get choked out. Every fucking time I put my arm out, I get arm barred. Okay. And little by little, we start retracting things in. Little by little. And then you can't say, oh, I suck at jujitsu. Well, I did when I started. But I'm growing. You're learning. You're teaching your children what most men will never, ever, ever fucking admit. Or even no, for that matter. So <clears throat> that on-off switch, I I think it's an important thing for us to understand that maybe we are using that ourselves. Oh, we are. You know, and when are we turning it off and when are we turning it on? Because for me, mine was more like a dimmer. Mine was more like I just dimmed it way down. I didn't turn it all the way off. Sure. But it was... I cared about my kids and Vanessa, and that's about it. Yeah. Well, that's not good. Right. And so when we were talking in the car on the way to the ayahuasca ceremony, we were talking about the energetic swords. Yes. Yes. That's what it was. That that was another great revelation because I know for a fact that I have put some energetic wounds into my, again, my older son in particular. And how do I, now knowing that, how do I heal those? Because he's going to put armor around those. Or how do I help him get his armor down so that he can heal them? And how do you do that in a child? Because their understanding of the world, like you and I are figuring this shit out like in midlife. How the fuck do you explain this to a 10-year-old or an 11-year-old? I think they understand it easier. You're probably right. I yeah, seriously probably, do. Because their hearts are more open. Mm-hmm. That's that's the other fucking thing that makes me feel terrible. His heart was more open, and I put a wound in it. Mm-hmm. God damn it. But also, like what we talked about, is something that I never got that makes me really proud of you, mm-hmm. is that I never got my wound extracted by the person who, who gave it to me. Got it. I had to extract it myself. I had to find it. Yeah. I didn't even fucking know what the problem was. And then once I addressed it, it was like, oh. And then I have to figure out how to take it out. When it could have just been taken out by the person who gave it to me had they acknowledged that they gave it to me. Even if it was unintentional. It's an energetic wound. When 
I'm told, and, and I don't remember verbatim what it was or exactly. I'm just saying, like, as a kid, let's take something like, uh, what do you want to be when you grow up? An astronaut. You'll never be a fucking astronaut. Well, why not? Because you're not smart enough to be an astronaut. You're going to be like a garbage man. Yeah. Okay. And you're six. Yeah. Do you know what that does? That literally just killed your vision, your dream, your and just yeah. and, and put an energetic sword through like your sacral chakra, which is the yes. creation. Yep. Happened to me. Now I have to live the rest of my life with this thing that I don't even know exists. But had that person ever came to me and said, you know what? Remember that time when this happened? That was not right. And I realized that that hurt you. And it hurts me to know that I hurt you. And I've sat with this for however long it was. And I want to come to you and I say, I, 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 want, I want to apologize for that. Well, that wound itself, just that, that's an energetic sword that just got extracted. I want to take that out. Yeah. I can't say that it's not going to hurt still. It doesn't need to heal. Still gonna be sore and tender, yeah. But it will heal compared to now. It's in there forever and ever and ever. So by you becoming aware and saying, <coughs> "I think I did this to my sons," you also have the power to extract them. And by doing that, sure, we reopen the we fester it a little bit. We have to go into it, but then. At the same time, you pull it out, it heals, and then it also builds trust back with your child. Dad hurt me, but dad also fucking pulled it out. Which means that there's trust. If I go fishing and I accidentally tag Talon in the ear with the fishing hook, <laughs> and you know, yeah, dad hurt me, yeah, but he also took it out and fixed it and patched it up. Compared yep. to, I just left the fishing hook in him, I cut the thing <laughs> off, and put a new hook on my line. <laughs> For the rest of his life, and he can't figure out how to get it out. Uh, yeah, that's a great point. So you have to think, it's like, okay, whether it was intentional or un or unintentional, sorry, in, yeah, intentional or unintentional, which in your case, it was, you weren't purposely doing it. Right. You didn't know. So that goes back to, I accidentally hooked towel with the fucking fishing line. Now, you have the power to just, you know that you did that now. You're going to fucking cut the line and put a new hook on and say, fuck it. Or we address, we pull it out, and then we build that trust and stuff. One of them is acknowledging what you did, even if you didn't mean to do it. Yeah. Right? Yep. And that's the honor. That's the the integrity. That's the doing the right thing, even though it feels... Even though it sucks. Even though it sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Making the right choice. As I continue this journey, I realize that like most of the time does not feel good. Yeah. Most of the time, making the choice, the right choice, does not feel good. Yeah, it puts you in awkward positions. You and have to stand in your true power. Well, actually, what it is, it puts you in opposition to your ego, and half the time, doing what you know to be correct means you have to battle your your own ego and your own self image. Yeah, mm -hmm. and that that's painful. It sucks. It sucks. It sucks. But I shouldn't say it's like the overall sucks. Because I do it for a reason. Afterwards, you're always glad you did. The juice but is worth the squeeze. The moment, as you're you're tr literally trying to get yourself psyched up to go apologize to an 11 year old, it's like, oh, this is. Why is that so hard? Why is that so hard? Guilt. Yeah. 
That's, Sh- yeah, shame. Probably, yeah, guilt and shame. That Embarrassment. Embar- yeah. Humiliation. Yeah. <laughs> all of them. All of the above. Literally all of it. And it's your offspring. So we have this preconceived thing of like, we're God, right? And we know that they look at us like kings and gods. And now we got to come down to a human. And that, imagine taking a God and saying, hey, today you're going to be a human. Well, I ain't doing that. <laughs> Fuck that. Yeah. Then I, it's like, oh, that's yeah. the humbling experience. Well, it's also like a new, I mean, how did our parents parent us and how did we learn to parent it's like shut up and listen to me because i'm your dad mm-hmm. i know what's best and now this this is almost like a complete reframing of the relationship this is actually something i sat him down and said hey our relationship will be different going forward i'm not going to tell you what to do anymore because i don't think i actually know <laughs> um, i don't think i actually yeah. know what to do yeah i'm just going to try to be your friend and hopefully we can figure out a way to be buddies yeah because uh, clearly me telling you what to do was not working and how do you take that? It's all happening in real time, you know? Like, this, the other sad thing is I don't see them very much anymore because we're separated. Yeah. So we'll probably get there toward the end of the podcast, but, like, the future is bright. Like, this is not all doom and gloom. Yep. The future is bright. I, there is, uh, like, the universe is lining up for me, and I'm going to make a good life, and part of that is finding ways, and, and I have some... You know, like, like I had an offer accepted on a house on a lake. I was like, told Nathan he was excited. And it's like, oh, because we're going to go fishing all summer. And there's a canoe. And we'll just be out on that lake together. We're in the front yard burning a fire on the lake. You know what I mean? Like, yep. it's less about the lake itself, but more. And we went hunting. We, I took him hunting for the first time this last uh, fall. And he loved it. Four days out in the back country. Just he, me, Mike, and Jordan, which... It's also really important to have good men, and especially if you have sons, to have other good men in their lives as examples to them. And so he latches on to those two mm-hmm. pretty hard as well. Like he, he really likes Jordan and Mike. Um, and so for, and part of it is he's at that age too, where he's big enough and strong enough, he can start coming with us on these adventures. And so that, that's kind of the plan going forward is to make sure there's a lot of adventure and that he's included in it. And we'll we'll go be cowboys together. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. There's so much. There's so much information to obtain and to try and digest, and then like integrate it back into your life. Because I think in our brain, when we do that, we want to see instant success or like instant change. And what I've noticed is like my own patterns, my own shadows. It's a constant thing every day. I have to put them in check every day. I told you about the time, like me yelling at the kids about going to sleep. They want to read a book past their fucking bedtime. Yeah, bro. That actually, your episode. God, what one was? What was the title of it? We listened to it on the way to go on our deer hunting trip, and Nathan was locked in. Okay. And you were talking about how to be. Basically a good man. Okay. And it was perfect. And, and he was listening. Yo, he was listening hard. Good. And that was one of the things you brought up is that story of like, Tinsley wanted a, bed, a bedtime story at 830 and you were like, no, go to bed. Yep. Like, wait a minute. My daughter wants to come snuggle with me for 15 minutes and have me read to her. Mm-hmm. What is wrong with that? Yeah. And that was one of those that like hit me hard because I was that dad 
He's like, no, it's 8 o'clock. Get in bed. Shut up. Like, I should have been more. And I the fucked up thing, sorry. I should have been more attuned to he just, again, when they're most obnoxious is when they need you most. Mm -hmm. He's literally asking in words, will you come spend 15 minutes? I need a little close time. Mm -hmm. I just need to be reassured that everything's going to be all right. Fuck me running. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, how stupid can we be? We got us us men. To back way up years, we did such a better job with our second son because it literally all started better. Um, Our firstborn, they told us, oh, well, you know, as soon as he comes out, you know, mom will have him for for an hour or two to to nurse and have some skin-to-skin contact. But then you want to get him accustomed to his bassinet so he learns to sleep by himself. And then by the second baby, they were saying, no, just put him skin to skin on mom right away and mm-hmm. never put him down. Like they didn't even, they didn't even wash all the afterbirth stuff. Like we had him immediately, like I'm ripping my shirt off. He's the umbilical cord wasn't even cut yet. And we're snuggling this kid. And then, you know, we had all this new parent anxiety with the firstborn where don't let him sleep in between you because somebody will roll over and smother him. Lando slept between us the entire, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so he's much more, he's much less anxious. He's more comfortable in his own skin is yep. how I would describe it. And it's because we didn't do all these weird, unnatural, but we didn't know any better. The mm-hmm. doctor is telling us or the nurse is telling us, no, you have to get him into his bassinet and get him ready for... Uh, just Whatever being, being on his own. Why the fuck does a kid need to be on his own? He's he's born yesterday. Does he need to be on his own right now? Yeah. Why does he need to be prepared for that? He fucking doesn't. We're tribal. We are pack animals. We don't need to be preparing to be on our own. We need to be preparing to be a part of a tribe and to learn how to interact with the tribe and be emotionally available to the tribe, which putting a fucking kid in his bassinet is the exact opposite of that. You're learning, you're teaching him to close himself off. From yeah, the tribe. He's isolated. He's yes. separate. Yes. He's all on his fucking own. Yeah. And man, you want to talk about like really an experience in sort of primal emotions and actions is after he was born, Jen had a really difficult birth with firstborn, just firstborn. And so she was so exhausted. They put her on sedatives and just put her down for like 24 hours or actually, I think we were in the hospital for three days after he was born. It's all a blur. But so I, I was basically on duty all by myself and I'm like trying to get this kid to sleep in his bassinet. And then I didn't sleep for three days because I was in that dad mode where I'm on patrol. And I just literally paced the room trying to get him to sleep in his bassinet. And in hindsight, 11 years later, I should have just put him on my chest. Mm-hmm. I should have laid in the corner, took my shirt off and put him on my chest for three days. And I didn't. But I didn't know any better. So what did you learn? In that moment, nothing. What do you learn no, now? Now. Now I should have, yeah. So it pull, was him, it? pull him close. But that's what I'm working on, is pull him close. And that's don't, the... Don't, the more he acts out, don't push him away. Pull him close. That's the teaching, right? Yeah. And, and, and is the ability to transmute that energy. He's being chaos energy. Mm-hmm. And then we match with chaos energy. And what happens? How did that work out? Yeah. He has chaos energy. You match with the calm nurturing energy and watch how you transmute him back into, okay, I'm good dad. I think I can go to bed or yeah. wh- whatever it is, you know? Yeah. Well, f- that's what we're, that's what we're learning, right? That is the literal lessons that we're trying to figure out right now is <clears throat> on a micro scale, what we have going on in our homes 
But look at it at the macro scale. You have parents matching each other's energies of chaos. And look at where we're at. The world wants to blow each other up. Yeah. I got to pee. That's fine. We're at almost at an hour. And really? I'm going to roll a joint anyways. Oh, perfect. Cool. Okay. We're back. We're back with the... Uh, with a 48-hour detour <laughs> or layover. <laughs> there was some technical difficulties. We had a little bit of mushrooms before we had started. It was meant to be a microdose, but we have never eaten fresh mushrooms before, and we ate a tiny, tiny one. And apparently, I, I, they were they were way too strong to be doing a podcast. So, instead, we... Put a pause on that and sat down and hung out for hours and talked and laughed and danced and played and imagined and learned. Had a, had and a fucking phenomenal afternoon. Yeah. And it's it's worth uh, mentioning that what we looked at was we're looking at these mushrooms and had we dried them out, it would have been a tiny little piece of mushroom. So we thought, no big deal. It's a microdose. Turns out that fresh mushrooms apparently are much stronger than dried mushrooms. Yeah, and I've heard the opposite. Have you really? Yeah, I've heard like if you ate one gram of regular mush or dried mushrooms, mm-hmm. that's equivalent to 10 grams of fresh mushrooms. I can say from a sample size, experiment <laughs> size of one, it's incorrect. That 100%. <laughs> yeah. So it's a good thing that we only ate a little one, and it's yeah. a good thing that, uh, you know. It's a really just, good thing because I guess that, that is exactly what I needed that afternoon. Me too, man. And we got to play our my our drum and the shrewdy box and yeah. talk about all the things, all the things, all the things. So <clears throat> I, I don't remember really much about where we left off or I know we were kind of rambling a little bit, but let's talk about the ceremony we were invited to, because I think I had mentioned that after the ceremony here with the other friend from the gym that then I had gone to the spine clinic that following Tuesday and had this sort of, you know, like two by four hit me in the face, like, hey, dumbass, you have PTSD. And then it was that same day that you called, said, hey, we've been invited to this ayahuasca ceremony this weekend, and we, to which I agreed. And so then I think we also hit on the fact that as we were driving there, I almost had to pull over because I felt myself like going into the medicine. Mm-hmm. And I started to have some pretty uh, significant revelations, but I was also fighting the medicine a little bit because I was driving, mm-hmm. which sucked. I, I would I, you know, if I could do it all over again, I would have just pulled over, tilted the seat back and let it happen. Yeah. Um, but then we got to this place where we were going, which that in itself was sort of surreal. And in hindsight, knowing what we know about the owner and how he may or may not have revealed that he was a Knight Templar in a, in a, past life, mm-hmm. the house kind of makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it, like this person is extremely wealthy. Yep. And so I remember backing into the driveway and I looked at you and I said, we're walking into this. And as far as we know, there could be, there could be 12 people in there waiting to murder us. And there's, we have no idea. Yep. Which again, a little bit of foreshadowing, finding out if that guy was truly a, you know, Templar. Yeah. And it, yeah. That, that might make a lot of sense. It would have. You know what's weird, though, is that, like, even going to a house that I've never been to before and staying the night, even in another dude's house. I didn't feel afraid. I just felt like they might try to murder us. Uh Uh-huh. And all I can think is, like, okay. Yeah. Let's see how that that works out for you. (laughs) But at the same time, 
I know that I'm going there. We're going there to heal. Yeah. There shouldn't be a war. I've never heard of like a war going on in the middle of healing unless I'm being suckered in. Right. Well, I just mean, yeah, it could, <laughs> the whole thing could be a trap. Yeah. 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 It, it is. It was interesting. Um, so yeah, keep going, keep going about the ceremony. Uh, can we say the woman's name who led it or should we just call her the, the guide? Just call her medicine woman. Medicine woman. Okay. So we met the medicine woman and how did, what did we do to begin with? Cause there was a while where we were just hanging out there. Oh, we went down on the dock Yeah, and there was a lot of chatter. And before those ceremonies, I'm always nervous cause yeah. I, even when I didn't know it was coming, I was nervous because I was being told what was coming. And so going down on the dock for small talk was like, me too. Can we please? Me too. I'm just, pacing. Yeah, exactly. I feel like a tiger in a cage, yes. Yes. and I'm just pacing back and forth, pacing back and forth, because it's spiritual war. It's spiritual jujitsu. Yeah, yeah. You're you're not going into a fun experience. You're going into a very difficult experience. And so then, I guess we went upstairs and drank the tea. Yeah. Well, we sat down and. There, it was very small. It was private. You know, it wasn't yeah. like at a big, big ceremony, which I'm used to going to. And it was just all men. Mm-hmm. I've never had that either. And so for me, like it felt so calm. Okay. I felt like it was so mellow. There was no fire. There was no, like it was very, very mellow. Their energy was not hyper masculine though. So it wasn't because my first ceremony was with a bunch of um, special operations veterans mm-hmm. and it got downright feral. Yeah. Even I mean, even before. So before the ceremony with that group, it was actually a lot of fun because the bullshit session outside was a little more animated. Different. Yeah, yeah exactly. And uh, so I guess then in that ceremony with all the soft veterans, like I said, the energy got very feral masculine to the point where like. I had such bad BO and I was like, why do I smell so bad? And then later everybody kind of said the same thing. And I, my, I mean, I'm just speculating here, but my personal opinion is because the energy was so masculine in the room that everybody was putting off testosterone pheromones. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. Exactly. Um, But I actually had a very, I've, I've drinking ayahuasca tea only twice. Mm -hmm. And I've both times now it has been very mellow for me. I don't have these, or I guess in my sample size of two, I've never had the really intense experience that some people talk about. Mm-hmm. So I actually just spent, I, and I was relieved for it. And maybe this is, you know, if it's true that grandmother knows what you need, maybe both times I just needed a mellow night. And what I did is I was actually very grateful for it is because it ended up being seven or eight hours where you're just laying there. You're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And I, that was a lot of good time to just sit and process all these thoughts and event like all this stuff happened fast like my ex-wife asked me to move out and then here I, all of a sudden I'm out of the house and all this you know my back wrecked my spine and everything just was happening really fast and there was no time to process because it's like I'm packing my shit up and I'm getting out of the house but I've got to go to work five days a week and I've got training northwest classes going on on the weekend so there's I'm just go 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 there's no time to stop and think and it forced me to lay back on my pad, really go inside my thoughts, and just process for however many hours. Like I'm going to guess it was seven or eight hours. I don't really know. It's funny because you're laying next to me, but then, like, we're not hanging out at all, you know? No. <laughs> you know, like, your head, your body's within pretty much reach of me. Yeah. But for that amount of time, we're on our own. 
we're on our own thing because I'm I'm not purging either. I'm yeah. not moving either. And I there was times where at some point I would like to do a ceremony with our group of people, mm-hmm. especially when you were playing your drum, where I wanted to sit up and like fist pound you and like shout. You know what I mean? And yeah. like be social. Yep. But I know there's like etiquette and there's other people who I don't know in the room. And I don't know if the medicine woman's going to come over and be like, oh, you guys have to lay down. You're being disrupted. You know, I almost feel like I'm in kindergarten. Like, yep. I want to talk to my friend, but I don't know if the teacher will get mad. Yep. Yep. That's why That's why I'm going to build my own thing. Yeah. <laughs> that's why. Because I feel the same thing. I want to yep. be barefoot. I want to have like a fucking skull on my head and antlers. I want to have yes. like an actual. And if I want to get up and dance around the fire <laughs> and fucking shout and whoop. Have it. Yeah. I want to hear everyone yell at the top of their lungs from their belly at the same time while I'm beating my drum. And there was a lot of that. <clears throat> man, there was a lot of that in that veteran ceremony. Again, alpha energy. And a couple times I put my mask up and I could see other guys were grooving. And like the, 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 the guide who led that one, he's playing a lot of like war drum music. And the next day at integration, one of the other guys was like, dude, I was just rocking over here. And I was like, man, I should have, I wish I, and I was sitting right next to him. I was like, fuck, I should have just given him a fist bump and yeah. Rocked out. Like, yeah. 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 I don't, I don't see why it has to be an individual experience, but in my small sample size, they've always told you like, Hey, keep to yourself. Don't interrupt someone else's mm-hmm. their journey, which I get it. If they're like, you know, hands in their face or face in their hands and eyes closed and intentionally or not, I guess it's not intentionally, but if they're inside, but if you look at someone and they're very much, social like they're making eye contact and looking around i don't see the problem Mm -hmm. i don't know i'm not a shipibo tribe healer in my mind is i get both i understand both and so that's where it's like you just got to pick what medicine man to go to because recognize other people's cues like you know if someone's trying to be inside or if the medicine is taking them inside but usually usually then like if if How do I explain it? A lot of the things, like when you're sitting there, ayahuasca is supposed to be solely inside experience. So even if you're there looking around, it's not the time to interact. You should be thinking about, what are you looking around? Why are you looking around and other people are laying down? Unless homeboy's playing the war drum. Yes. And you're you're feeling it. And and that's the thing. I don't know. For me, I want, I want to go outside. I want to look at the stars. I want to dance around. I want to beat my chest. I rip my fucking shirt off. And yeah, yeah. but that's not that style. So I have to build. I also wonder if a lot of these ceremonies, let, I mean, I'm going to sound like an asshole here, but look at the people who participate in these ceremonies typically. There's not a lot of us. No, and that's why it's important for us to be vocal and use our voice because there's this stigma that if you're going to heal, then that's like pussy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, or if you're going to learn how to, I preach love. Yeah. If you're going to learn how to love, then that means be soft. Yeah. Well, it means be soft emotionally and spiritually. But if you hang out with me, I doubt that you're going to leave saying, oh, Tyler's soft. <laughs> it's not about that. It's, it's about being able to switch your warrior on and off. It's the warrior in the garden. Yeah. So... Sure, if we're going to go fight and go to jujitsu and, and do that, then no, I'm not soft at all. I try to be as hard as I can because I'm a physical warrior, but a spiritual warrior isn't actually hard. A spiritual warrior or emotional warrior is soft because being hard is a low vibration. 
wanting to be intimidating is a low vibration. That's coming from insecurity of something or some inner trauma. It's it's a false way of portraying confidence. Yes. You can walk around with your head up and your shoulders back without trying to... Other people may be intimidated, but that's because they lack the confidence. That's right. not because you're putting out intimidating energy. No. I walk around the grocery store with my head up, my shoulders back. Yes. I smile at everyone yeah. I walk by. But some And some people are intimidated, specifically weak men, because they see in you what they want to be, and they know they can't match it. They can match it. They could if they, they wanted could. to. But they don't. They don't. And, and so that's the thing about the healing journey of why I say it flips shit upside down, because as you become lighter then you start casting a brighter aura and energy and that that shines light on other people's cobwebs. And so they either go, oh shit, that's dirty and nasty and I want to clean that up. Or they're like, hey bro, fucking turn that light off, man. <laughs> yeah, you Let me eyes. shut my doors real quick. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. So I don't know. I, I, I think there's many different things. For me, I have this vision of I'm going to figure out how to build the compassionate Viking shamanism something. Yeah, and allow a little a different flavor, uh -huh. different, different rules. Yep. And it might be just be that your, like your forte becomes alpha males. We mm -hmm. may end up with a whole bunch of veterans out at Tyler's place because out here you're, out, uh, you're allowed to put a wolf head on yep. and fucking howl at the moon and you know, stomp around the fire and it's not required that you sit and be quiet on your pad. Yeah. And I think I have a, I have a good way of like understanding yeah. veterans well, or warriors. It's, it's not so much that is that you have alpha male energy and we don't trust people who don't have that same, like if you can't kick my ass, I don't trust you. Yeah, I know. That's weird, huh? It is. It is. It really is. And I, I've noticed that I feel much more comfortable with people who I know can kick my ass than I do with even women. Mm -hmm. Right? I'm far more at ease, even though the f I know, like, if this person gets mad at me, they can just rip my head off. Mm -hmm. I'm far more at ease hanging out around that person. I think just because I trust that, it's it's maybe it's just it's good to have a pack of tough people around you. Well, yeah, and because like, then hey, you don't have we, to be the number one protector. Yeah. If you're around a bunch of women then you're the protector, you're the, you're right? So you're going to be, yeah. your senses are heightened. You can't really sur surrender very much. Yeah, and we're pack animals. So I, I always say, like, I never felt afraid in Afghanistan on my two deployments with the Ranger Battalion because I was with my platoon of Rangers, and I just knew that these are some bad dogs. And if we get in a fight, yeah, some of us may get hurt or killed, but I always knew that my pack would win. Mm -hmm. And it was different as a CIA contractor because he didn't know the guys as well. And so there wasn't that familiarity, but I feel like when you sit in a group of people and you gain a little bit of familiarity, then there's a whole lot of trust there, and that allows you to sort of lower your anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, trust, love. So, yeah. Yes, exactly, it's love. It's love. Love and, and it's, trust. And it's like, so you just told me that love is what made you believe how to be a good warrior. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. You know, it's like, no, no, no. And the same thing is uh, when we go to jujitsu. We talked about it. Um, the other day, some people are going to jujitsu to win, to boost their pride and ego, to make them feel good. Yeah. Other people are going to jujitsu for friends, to gain knowledge, 
to become a better version of themselves, to be a better protector for their family and their community. And it's not about winning. It's about just doing the best that you can do. Yeah. And it, and it's interesting to step for me to be able to step back and see how I used to behave of so much like judgment and <clears throat> bitterness almost, resentment towards I would say the world. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that I think it's okay now. Still not okay to be like, you know, not healthy or or anything like that. But I see rather than like being angry at them. They're like lost children. Mm-hmm. They're, they're doing what they've been told. And it goes into that thing that you just showed me. Ah, uh, yes. That just popped into my head. Yes. Is that Toby has a... Uh, it's so it's it's a real quick description is just like the atoms in a molecule are held together with an energetic bond so too can be two people and what that energetic bond is depends on sort of the the feeling and emotions you share with each other so if you spend your internal energy focusing on your enemies then that bond you you are bonded with your enemy while you're while you're thinking about them and that bond is hate so if you are wasting your internal energy thinking about the people who, or I guess anything that you might consider an enemy, then you're, you're, you are giving your energy to hate and you're creating a bond between you and this other thing that is hate. But if you spend your energy thinking about the people, or I should say thinking about positive things or people who make you feel good, then that, that energetic bond between you is love. So think about Sunday afternoon after we turned off the recorder. We shared a whole lot of energy. And it was definitely love energy. Yep. Right? So I guess when you listen to, fuck, I get caught up in it too on YouTube. And Jesus Christ, I opened Twitter today, which was a fucking mistake because it's just rant after rant after rant and negative comment after. there. I couldn't find a single fucking positive thing on Twitter today. I Actually, at one point, I was like, you know what? I'm actually going to scroll this, finding how long does it take me to find something positive? Oh, gosh. And after three minutes, I couldn't find it. So I just turned it off. So if you give, so if you open your phone and spend twenty minutes scrolling Twitter, you're just giving all your energy to this to this hateful thing. The same with Instagram or Facebook because it's it's tough to find positive. Uh, there it, it's out there, but there's not a lot of positivity on social medias. Um, no. <clears throat> That's why I swear at the highest level, they're stealing everyone's loose, man. Yeah. It, might be that and the same thing with that sort of past and future chart is that if you spend your energy agonizing over things that happened in the past that's you're you're spending your energy you're sending negative energy into the past and if you spend your energy on anxiety over something that may or may not happen in the future you're sending negative energy into the future and if you're sending negative energy into the future what's going to come to you as the the future approaches and you hit the present it's going to be negative so you need to focus on positive events in the future. That's sort of that, like, uh, like the vision board or sending positive intentions, whatever it is you want to come in life. Like Tyler wants the compassionate Viking to grow into something that can support him and his family. So he needs to spend time thinking about it, making plans for it, all the positive things that can come from compassionate Viking. And the same for me with training Northwest. And that's what I've been doing in the last couple of, I think we hit on that the first half. Like mm-hmm. I've been focusing on the positive focusing on giving good energy to the customers who do come out. And that puts positive energy into my future so that when I arrive in the future, then 
what's waiting for me is positive things. And it, and that all ties into quantum mechanics too. Quantum mechanics, like this sounds all woo-woo, right? But if you get into quantum physics, which is, I'm not going to try to explain it because it gets over my head fast, but the reality of quantum entanglement is that if you're putting out positive energy, then that entangled, uh, not element, entangled, uh, oh, Jesus Christ, particle, is also have somewhere out in the universe is an entangled particle that's having the exact same state as whatever state you are creating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's wild. Yeah. It's wild, but <coughs> it makes sense to me, dude. Yeah. All right, so now positive energy, yep. back to the ceremony. Throughout the night, I was in extreme pain again because we're laying on these little foam mads. I've got a foam mads, foam pads. I've got a herniated disc in my back. I can't get comfortable laying down. I can barely sit up. So I'm just kind of squirming and rolling around all night. And throughout the night, uh, the, the, the medicine woman, she would come over to me and she'd whisper, roll over on your stomach. And she'd put one hand on the base of my spine right above where the pain was. And with her other hand, I couldn't quite see, but, you know, she's sort of like waving it up and down my spine and then lifting her hands in the air and like like she's flicking a booger off or something, opening the window, <coughs> using a raven feather to, to mm-hmm. ostensibly fan bad energy out the window. Condor. Was it a condor feather? Mm-hmm. Okay. And so throughout this process, you know, she did this probably four or five times throughout the night. And in my head, I was kind of like, this might be a bridge too far for me. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to say anything. We're in someone else's house. We're guests here, guests of the ceremony. Who knows? Maybe it helps. I mean, it can't hurt anything. Right. Um, wake, you know, come out of the medicine sometime in the wee hours of the morning, go to sleep for a while, wake up. My back is still, I mean, excruciating pain. And the same thing the following morning at work. However, the following morning, somewhere, this is like a Tuesday morning now, I'm at work, and I'm bending over to pick something up, and I went, holy shit. Like, it hit me. I was like, wait a minute. I'm I'm bending over and picking things up and moving around. And right then, my phone dinged. And yes, the medicine woman has a cell phone. Mm-hmm. And it was a text from her, and it said, how is your back? With a smiley face. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> she texted me, like, the moment I realized it's gone. So this is either the biggest coincidence in the world or she took all of that. Oh, actually, I should add in one thing before I say this. One of the things I realized during that ceremony is I needed to go home and apologize to my ex and the boys for every for all of it that is my fault. Mm-hmm. Every, you know, all this PTSD, every, any, any ill effect that has come to the family because of me, I need to go apologize. And so Tuesday, I had made up my mind. I'm going, I'm going to stop by the house on the way home just so I can talk to him and say, hey, I, I need to talk to you guys for a minute. And it was right after that that I started moving around well. And then she texted and said, hey, how's your back? I said, okay, this is the greatest coincidence in the history of coincidences. Or she, she knew the moment that all that pain lifted. And she went, oh, hey, how does it feel? Yeah. And I did. I went home that night. It wasn't like some grand apology. I just said, hey, I need to talk to you guys for a minute. I just want to apologize for everything over the last... 10 years. I know now that I have this condition called post-traumatic stress. You guys don't need to, like, telling the boys, you guys don't need to worry about it because now that I know what it is, I, I can figure out how to deal with it. Yeah. Step number one, admitting you're lost. Yep. Um, but then going, let's go backwards in time, back to the ceremony again. And again, no, like, profound revelations during the ceremony itself, but then 
maybe the most profound revelation of the entire thing was as you and I, you and I were fixing to walk out the front door Monday morning mm -hmm. and she said, Hey, lay down. I want to put some eye drops in your guys' eyes. And I'm, I'm grouchy cause my back hurts and I just want to get fucking going so I can go <laughs> lay down in a real bed. I was like, okay, fine. One more. Again, we're guests. One more. Can't hurt. So she put these eye drops in our eyes that burned a little bit. So my eyes were closed and I was kind of blinking a little bit and I couldn't see anything. And she very lightly laid her hand on my chest. And I jumped and I framed up like mm -hmm. I was playing defense on, on the mats. Yep. And she said, see, your nervous system is so wound tight, so ready to fight right now, right here, no matter what. And I was like, holy shit. She just, like, I understand what PTSD is. Yep. Just by this woman laying her hand on my chest and me jumping ready to fight her. Now I know. It's it's just so many years of running in the red You're zone. in a war. Exactly. <laughs> Even if there's no contact, you're still on high alert. Yeah. You're, the moment you roll out the gate, you're on high alert until the moment you're back in the gate. You're ready to fight right now. And that's what it is. That That's what I've... And that doesn't mean that it goes away, but to be aware of it and to understand that, like, when the kids are pissing you off or they're not listening or whatnot, like, it's not time to fight. It's not time to fight. And so you have to understand that. And so now, once you do understand it, now you can start to be like, wait a minute, am I ramping up? Or do I need to go stand in the garage and breathe for five minutes? And your nervous system, too, when it does that, that's also where your on-off switch is. Yes. Because when in war... It's time to fight, okay? It's time to fight and off, turn off switch. Turn off all empathy. Right? All, all, empathy. all empathy goes We're off. We're going full Terminator. Yes, exactly. Did we hit that on the first half or was that later I think we when did. we were talking? No, I think we hit We hit on the on-off switch. Okay, okay. But I, I just made that correlation of it's yes. like the nervous system and the on-off switch. They, they're in conjunction. They're, mm -hmm. they're all on one switch. Yep. The, the nervous, yeah, the fight or flight snaps into fight mode. And the emotional off switch snaps off at the mm -hmm. same time. Mm -hmm. And we have to be able to, that off switch is on your heart. That's where your love is coming from, your compassion, your empathy. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, we're, we're, we have reactions, you know, we have reflexes. But if your eyes are closed and you're laying there, can, can I come up and put my hand on you without you flinching? Yes. Or if you do, can you still keep your, it's hard to demonstrate an emotional reaction to someone. She showed it to me with a physical reaction. Mm -hmm. Like it was undeniable, right? I like I framed Jolted. up so fast, ready to fight, and all she had done was laid her hand on my chest. Yeah. Very softly. Yeah. Like, hi, Toby. Yeah, and exactly. Like, Kill. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's good that you're, like, becoming aware of that, mature yeah. enough that you can actually be like, oh, shit, I'm doing this. Most people don't even... They just run a program all day, every day. They're asleep at the wheel. Mm -hmm. But I was too. You know what I mean? Me until, too. I mean, up until 2020, and in a lot of ways, the, they call it the Great Awakening because I think the pandemic woke people up to a lot of things. And, you know, th there, was, there wasn't a lot, maybe there was a lot spiritual about it, but it didn't feel spiritual to me in 2020. It felt political. Mm -hmm. But the political awakening led me to a spiritual awakening. Mm -hmm. Because the political the political awakening is downstream of the spiritual awakening. Sure. Yeah, maybe it's just it's like a you just swam up the river to entry. You got to get through one before you can get to the next one. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and 2019 I was fully asleep at the wheel. 
We all got to start somewhere. Yeah. And the thing is, is that we're all on the ascension path, whether we know it or not. Yeah. Whether you're doing a good job or not. Yeah. You could think that your life is to just wake up and go to Subway and put salami on after the bologna. Yeah. And then retire when you're 65 and and die and rot in the ground. Yeah. And there's a lot of veterans who it's their life is to wake up and take their pills to mask the symptoms, which end up leading to deeper depression because you probably, like those pills probably also mask your soul and your soul knows it, but it can't. It can't, I wonder if it puts a barrier between your soul and your physical body. And that's what that depression is that the, like they just give you pill after pill after pill, different prescriptions until eventually you commit suicide. Yep. That's what the VA actually does. They guide you into suicide until you're just so disconnected. No, you know, I sit there and think, imagine how we would feel if we knew that we had powers like not necessarily Harry Potter, but actual wizard powers through the quantum entanglement and the quantum field using your intention and, you know, visioning like toroidal fields around things and putting your intentions into, I call it the ether, yeah, into those because it's it's been proven now. Thoughts, like for instance, you have this thought and then medicine woman... Sends you a message right at the same time. Yeah. Okay. That's high level shit. That's not 3D. That's quantum entanglement. Yes. And so if we knew that we have essentially those type of powers, that's alchemical powers. That's, that's wizard powers. Mm -hmm. You just don't, you know, you don't have a lightning bolt on your forehead and some goofy glasses. Yeah. No, they look like me. They look like you. They look like the guy at the bank and the guy down there digging a ditch. Everyone has powers. If we knew that, then we wouldn't take pills and stuff. Because, oh, yeah, I look at like I was just sitting here thinking. I have a couple ideas I want to yeah. spit out real quick before I lose them. Do it. One is that we should start right here, right now. Let's work on putting together a veteran ceremony in the spring, and either you can host it right here out back, or you can use my place at the river to host it. I'll help you spread the word, but this will be. Tyler needs to host a veteran's ceremony yep. because you are the right person for it. And I think we could do a lot of good. Um, so let's, here we are talking on a podcast about it. I'm going to say right now, if you guys want more information on it, reach out to Tyler at compassionateviking at gmail.com. Is that correct? I think it's compassionatevikingpodcast at gmail.com. Or hit either of us on Instagram. Uh, yeah, I was going to say. You can use it. I'm trying to get I away from it. Instagram. I want to get away from it too. Or trainingnorthwest at protonmail.com. And let's start putting together a veteran's ceremony and we'll figure out all the logistics down the road. We'll do it in the spring sometime when the weather's a little bit better. And uh, this could be our first thing. And like, this could be a really good healing thing. And then the second thing I want to say is that if there's, if there's veterans out there listening to this and they're like, fuck dude, I don't have ax. I don't have someone who grows mushrooms who I can go get some psilocybin mushrooms from. And I don't know where to go to go to an ayahuasca ceremony. The first thing you can do is get on YouTube and look up Wim Hof breathing and start doing breath work right fucking now. Yep. It takes less than 10 minutes. And if you buy into it and if you actually try, I think the first thing I noticed the first time I did it was my fingers started tingling. And I was like, that's weird. I thought, I don't like this. I don't, there's nothing to this voodoo magic. Mm-hmm. Breath work is not going to take me to spirituality yep. just by breathing hard. Bull fucking shit. Bullshit. Yeah. So stick with it. Give it a couple turns. 
and you can start the breath work right now. And I, I'm telling you that even if you like, I don't know that you'll have a spiritual experience from it, but you will feel really good when you're done, like very calm, very relaxed. It's a, like the basic set is like a, it's three times through 30 breaths with a couple breath holds at the end of each 30 breath cycle. And your body's going to start tingling and like cramping and feeling weird and don't, don't fight it. Just go, keep Mm -hmm. going, keep going. Let that discomfort come do the breath holds just as he describes. I think there's literally a video on YouTube where he just, it's, it's not even, there's nothing to look at. It's just, you hear Wim telling you, okay, go in (gasps) and you hear him breathing and you just breathe along with him. Yep. Yeah. I used to do it all the time. Yeah. Start right there. I do it almost every night because it puts me in such a relaxed mood and then I just lay down on my pillow and I feel good and I'm right off to sleep. Yeah, I used to do it all the time and then I get in the ice bath and I've traded it out for going outside barefoot and yes. chanting with my drum. That's, That's what the other I thing do is, now. There's also a lot of science to ground it. <coughs> Walk outside barefoot, stand in the dirt or the grass barefoot because it it reduces, like your body has a, a static electrical charge on it you're made of atoms and molecules so you have electrical charges to your body and so standing on the earth helps even out your plane your voltage between yourself and the earth and it actually allows there's a guy on rogan just talking about the uh, uh the science of it all it allows your red blood cells to spread out into a more homogeneous mixture whereas if your red blood cells have a lot of uh charge to them then they highly charged particles do what? They, they start to attract each other and they clump up together. Mm-hmm. So if you ground out those charges and let them become a little more on even plane with the earth, which is exactly what you're doing. When we ground something in, in construction, like an electrical, run a copper wire to the earth, yep. it's so that whatever is on the other end of that copper wire now becomes on the same electrical plane as the earth itself. So lower your body, or not lower your body, but put your body on the same electrical plane as the earth by grounding yourself. Mm-hmm. And then that allows, I think there's more than just your red blood cells to, to spread out and become more homogenous in your, your bloodstream. But it's just one example that there is actually a physiological effect to grounding your body. Yeah, it's a type of medicine. Yes. All you got to do is go stand in the fucking yeah. grass barefoot For and you're minutes. giving yourself yeah, medicine. Yeah. Go stand outside barefoot. Imagine that, minutes. right? Where They, they uh, can't make money Don't make with your that. kids wear shoes. Let them run around in the dirt. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I have linen sheets, actually. Do you really? Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and uh, it was interesting at first because I'm used to the microfiber, cotton, whatever, yeah. super soft. Well, cotton's okay. Yeah, but it still produces static electricity. Ah, okay. And a linen has zero. Oh. So, like, restless leg syndrome, all that different stuff, I don't have it anymore. Oh, interesting. Because I lay in bed with natural fibers on me. Okay. I learned about this a little bit ago, but they're expensive. Linen sheets are expensive. Um, We we got derailed a little bit. So we were talking about uh, after the ceremony, Mazelle laid her hand on my chest. She she really, shit, I said her name. You're going to have to edit that out. Fuck it. No, okay. Um, And she really showed me what PTSD is. And that was like, that was a giant revelation for me. And so since then, I guess I feel good, not because it's gone, but because I know what I'm dealing with. And well, that, that is such a relief to understand what's going on with my nervous system, what's going on in my brain. And because that's, like I said, that's step one. That's admitting you're lost in the woods. Now you, now you can focus on getting unlost. And so, I, yeah, 
one step at a time and everything feels positive. Like everything's lining up. I'm moving to this house up here that I, I love. I love this area. I'm getting out of, I swore eight years ago, I got to get out of the suburbs. I'm getting out. I'm You're out. getting out. I am out. You are out. Yeah. And it's cool because when I asked you when you were moving in and you told me the date, at first, my in- initial instinct, the pride and ego, was like, oh, I want him to move up there tomorrow. Yeah, me too. And then I had was getting in the shower, and I was standing in the shower, and I said, no, it's always good to have something to look forward to in the future. Mm-hmm. And something big like that, like no matter what happens and then from here to then, you always have that to look forward to. Yeah. And it's, that was really important, like, revelation to me. is like, oh... That's where the the goals and dreams always have to be there. Yes. For me, my goal and dream is to make Stones and Bones a, a, a real valuable thing for veterans, for people who we had talked about it, well, the other day when we were drumming about the warrior's death. A lot of people are going to have the dark night of the soul and the warrior's death because in order to heal We essentially have to kill the physical pride and ego off. Which means, who are you? Yeah, that's that self-image. The big muscles, the tight t-shirts, the tattoos. The I used to run around with a plate carrier and a helmet with nods on, and I looked like a tough guy. Well, that all has to go. Mm -hmm. It all has to go. Mm -hmm. And when, when... Doesn't mean you can't still be tough. You probably will be tougher on the backside but you don't realize it on the front side. No, because it seems so scary. You're going to have to, you know, like we talked about it the other day about why do you like the things that you like? Why do you do the things you do? And on the surface level, oh, because this is what I think is cool or this is whatever. And it's like, where did that come from though? You like the, you like the stitching on those shoes? You like the, you like the material it's made out of? You like that the the sole is five eighths inch instead of seven sixteenths inch. Yeah. No, you've seen some celebrity or Hollywood or propaganda at the outlet mall or the mall or TV. You've seen it somewhere. The cool kid in your school was wearing them. Yep. Because he saw him on a commercial. Because Michael Jordan was wearing them. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so it's it's interesting to be like, who am I without all of these things? Without jujitsu, without the podcast, without a wife and kids, and without all of that stuff. Who is Tyler? Well, yeah. that that's the Tyler that I'm trying to learn learn again, which I feel like after my last ceremony, I've really learned because I had you come over and we learned to be little children as a 35 and 43-year-old fucking special <laughs> forces veteran and... Me, yeah, up in a room. Yeah, Vanessa was cracking up. Oh, were were, were they laughing at us down there? Yeah, I mean, just <laughs> later, like we were sitting yeah. on the couch, and she's like, "You guys are like kids," and I go, "Isn't that the point?" Yeah, I used to want to be a grumpy old man. I used yeah. to walk around wanting to be intimidating. When I was a private in the Ranger Battalion, all the E fours and E fives were angry, mm-hmm. and I used to think, "Well, that's part of being a sergeant. Is you mm-hmm. have to be. You're professionally angry." Yeah. Yeah. Why? Why? Why are they actually angry? Right. Because they're wounded. Sure. Or or because the sergeant before them was angry and they thought, well, someday I'm going to be a sergeant and then I have to be angry. And then you have to be angry. That goes into 
I have a story of my grandma's ham. My grandma told me, we were talking telephone game one day. And she goes, oh, it was about history. She tried to tell me some fucking bullshit. And I was like, grandma, where did you hear that? And she's like, well, this is in these books. I'm like, those books are garbage. We got in a big argument, right? And I said, let me explain to you something, how the telephone game works. If the Rockefellers or the Rothschilds come into the telephone game, I can guarantee you the original message is no longer like valid. They 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 put a they put a halt on that and gave you a new fucking message. Guess who makes all the textbooks? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And she, she understood. She goes, "Oh, yeah, that makes sense because see, whenever you make ham and you bake it in the oven, you have to cut the ends off." And then one time I forgot to cut the ends off and I thought I was going to fuck up the ham. And she's like, so I had to call my mom and say, you know, what do I do? And she said it was fine. And I said, but you never, ever did this. And she says, yeah, because I never had a pan big enough to fit the whole ham in it. Tyler, at ceremony, you never interact with other people. You never stand up and chant around the fire. You never beat your war drum too loud. I think it's time. Mm -hmm. I think so, too. Yeah. I think so, too. I think... um, uh, actually right now I plan on buying a teepee, yeah. a big teepee, all the hunters that, that would like to donate, or if you have anything, any type of hide or antlers or something that you would like a to tooth or claw, yeah. tooth or claw, if you would like to donate to me or do, to the ceremony for everyone to use and bring those spirits and ancestral knowledge in. That's that's uh, that's how we all come together. Ooh, I got goosebumps when yeah. I just said that. Yeah. yeah, because I plan on being able to do it rain or shine. And even if we're not doing um, an actual mushroom ceremony and we're doing just um, runes and talk therapy around the fire, if we can have the most natural stuff possible, hides to sit on, um, you know, bones, yeah. sticks, Things that are that are sacred and hold Mother Earth frequency. The other day, you had said uh, when we were beating the drum, you're like, "Dude, you keep beating this drum, and and it's going to attract this oh, energy." Yes. Okay, so we were talking about how the guy at the at the ceremony who he had he wanted to experience. He wanted, I think, he was having some anxiety about his death. Yeah, and he wanted to know about his death because he was older. Yes, and so what he ended up seeing was not his death in the future, he saw himself as a Templar knight at his funeral a thousand years ago. Uh And Tyler sat up at one point and started playing his war drum and that scared him. And the the medicine woman had to come over and silence you to ask you to stop playing the drum. Yeah. And it made sense later when, you know, the next morning when we're talking a little bit, when he told us about what he had seen and you and I were actually talking about this on the way home, not at, at, at this house, is that if he had been a Templar knight in the past, then a war drum should have scared the shit out of him because that would have sounded like the barbarians coming down out of the north, and he was probably killed by a barbarian in battle. Yep, yeah. So, of course, he's scared of, of barbarians and their drums. And I'm right next to him, literally, like, within two feet of him. And Pounding I can, on that thing. And I can feel the hit, the energy and, like... yes. In well, in well, my so, hang on, sorry. So yeah, what I told you two days ago was that if you sit in your front yard and you pound a barbarian drum, sooner or later you're going to end up with a yard full of bar- barbarians. Yep. Because when they it's it's you cannot come to that drum. I'm sorry. When I hear that drum, it moves me. It does. And if I heard that playing over the hill, I would have to go. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. So you play that drum in your front yard, and before you know it, you're going to have a front yard full of barbarians. I know. It's very interesting because as I learn more, I realize that so many of my old ways are no longer, that's not the way. I thought I knew the way, and I don't, I'm not saying I know the way now. I understand that I will constantly progress, but it feels good to have, like leveled up in the sense of I can see the difference now between 3D and 5D. And what is that? For the listeners, it's like, what? And it's hard to understand. But the other day we were talking about it and you were understanding in the sense of we were talking about energy and truth. We're going into the golden time, the, the time of Aquarius, the age of Aquarius. And in the age of the Aquarius, which goes into the spiritual awakening or the great awakening, everyone has a choice. There's free will. And we can either choose to stay in this low density 3D, or we can choose to ascend to the 5D and however far you can figure out how to go. In this process, due to your thoughts, what you were talking about, and that back to that picture, if you can build your vibration high enough through positive energy, you will start to ascend. And the DNA in us is, I believe, moving from carbon base to crystalline. In the times of Lemuria or Atlantis or Mu, these ancient... What happens when you polish carbon? What happens? Yeah, you get a crystal. There you go. So it makes sense, right? Yeah. Okay, so this is the when we were talking, do you remember this conversation we were having? A little bit, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so as we deal with our shadow work and get rid of our lead that's making us heavy, stuck in the the low low vibration, we're going to start to ascend and we're going to turn crystalline from the carbon. There was a time where you can language wasn't a thing as far as actual language because it was unnecessary you could use telepathy telekinesis we still have it in us and it happens to everybody all the time it's called intuition exactly yeah and there's times where you think about oh i wonder what my mom's doing or my whatever and all of a sudden your phone fucking yes calls right it's there we're just not attuned to it and we have so much and we've been taught to ignore it exactly it's yeah it's, it's nothing it's just a coincidence but as you, as you raise, then the truth has to prevail because truth is a, like lie is a low density vibration. Lying, deceiving, manipulating, that is not a high vibration. So therefore that can exist in the 5D. Does that make sense? Sure. So with that being said, we're going to see right now over the next little while a massive, massive shift in people's lives. Divorces, careers, businesses, thoughts and dreams, homes, relationships. It's all the truth is going to be brought to the surface no matter what. And then it's up to us. Either we're going to go up the ladder to crystalline structure or crystalline structure, or we're going to go down the ladder or stay in the carbon where it's 
I wish I could take a picture, a little video of my my root chakra primal guy, where I'm like, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> <laughs> because it's like it's exactly what they want: the World of Warcraft, overweight man stuck in grandma's basement with. Cheeto dust stained fingers, Mountain Dew, zits all over his face, beating off to porn all day long. Yeah. Just total, total, total low vibration. That's not what we want. We want to go up. And if we go up, the truth has to prevail. And if the truth has to prevail, then that's where we can start to harness our telepathy. Because lie can't exist and it goes off of feeling and knowing and understanding it's very interesting yeah and that's why i wonder why it's soft on our temples i swear this is where our frequency comes <laughs> out of oh i have no idea i i think uh and i can't remember if we talked about this in the first half or if this is something we talked about after we stopped recording but if you think what it, what is a radio transmitter it's a coil of wire that you run electricity through what's your nervous system it's it's an electrical system that you run an electrical current through so if if copper wire can create a transmission when you run electricity through it why can't your nervous system create a transmission when you run electricity through it and i think that's why when you start like again start doing these wim hof breathing exercises and all that tingling and like if you're doing it right your body starts to feel like the entire thing is humming and it, it freaks you out the first couple of times and I think that what that is, is you are firing up the generator and turning on the transmitter. And what you're feeling is those electrical signals just going insane throughout your nervous system. And so the more frequency you push through your electrical system, then the more electromagnetic radiation, like a radio wave, you're going to give out. Hmm. It all makes so much sense to me. Yeah. Like, it, I don't know why, but yeah, it's like, it, it, it doesn't, it, I'm not confused by yes. it at all. And talking to a good friend at work, the way he described it is he's like, he's like, where's your consciousness? I was like, oh, it's a good, where is the consciousness? Because I don't think it's in my body. Maybe it's a collective. And actually, I think consciousness might actually be a collective thing. And we just have a little snippet of it that controls, we're driving an avatar, right? We're, we've got a little meat suit that we're driving around. And so if you think about it, that meat suit may exist for no other reason than it's a generator in a receiver transmitter. So you can use the generator, start doing your breath work, or you can use little cheat codes like ayahuasca or psilocybin, but fire up the generator, fire up the transmitter, and then you can start actually communicating that way. And I, again, it sounds woo-woo, but there is an electrical system that runs throughout your body, and it has a command center up at the top. And yeah, I, I don't know, you, you can't You, you can learn shit. You can literally like learn information by doing that when you do that you learn stuff you get insight i mean think yeah. about us sitting up here the other day yeah just uh, I, people I, call it meditating but why do you meditate for insight insight right? yeah. to find clarity yeah and and like in our case it wasn't it wasn't internal clarity i mean it was internal clarity but we were doing it through an external process essentially me and you did talk therapy on one another for like five hours. Yeah. Right. Yes. And what happened was at the end of the day, I actually felt and still do more wise than I did the day before. Correct. Yeah, definitely. Well, we didn't do anything. We just ate a little bit of mushroom and then channeled yeah. and expressed ourselves yeah. and bounced it off and would validate. Okay. Check, yeah. check. 
And then it was like all of a sudden we just gathered a whole bunch of new files for our little record book. Yeah. We weren't on the computer. We didn't look anything up. We didn't have our phones. We weren't on YouTube. It wasn't a podcast. We had no books. That's true. We learned stuff without any books, without any external. Well, actually, there was external uh, source, but it wasn't external sources like most people would think of. Yeah, and we did. We learned a lot. A ton. A ton. Going through all this different stuff. Yeah, fascinating shit. And that's a good question for people to ponder. Like, if you're kind of on the fence about whether or not we're out of our fucking minds or talking about something that's real, is where is your consciousness? Where is it located? I, I, per, I don't think it's in my body. I'm fairly certain it's not inside my physical body. So where is it? Well, is your consciousness... Or does it even have a where? Is it the one that, give, that gives you thoughts? Is it the one that's, like, talking in your head? Yeah. Or is it the one listening? Because who's who? So I think your mind is listening. Okay. And your consciousness is directing. And your consciousness is what can kind of wander off topic and go different directions. And you'll catch it like, oh, shit, I'm, I'm supposed to be concentrating on this. But I'm over here thinking about what I'm going to do this weekend. That's your consciousness sort of wandering off. Uh-huh. Um, your mind is probably the physical part that's in your brain that can, you know, read a math book and, and tuck it away. Yeah, your you, pride you, and ego. You, you can store, yeah, your pride and ego is also ideas that you've stored away in your mind. Right? Yeah, very important. Yes. Very important. That's another thing is I'm not against the pride and ego. You, we have to necessary. have that. Oh, yeah. fuck yes. We just have to understand its purpose. It's a, and that's that, that might be the true value of psilocybin and ayahuasca is it allows you to detach you get to look at your pride and ego from outside uh-huh. and you, you detach from it so that it doesn't, it's your pride and ego that puts up the, the armor and the barriers. So when you can detach from it and look at it then you go, Oh fuck, that's, that's where it's fucking me up. But there are parts of it I want to keep because they serve me well. It's almost like the gas pedal of a car. It's like the pride and ego is the gas pedal of the car. It doesn't drive the car. If you let it drive the car, it smashes into shit. It, it causes all the problem. Yeah. It's like your throttle. It's what your competition, your fucking drive, all that stuff. So it's your sword. I think you might have even said that in the first half. No I, one to put the sword away. No one to pull the sword out. Yeah, it's the, it's the sword. Yeah, but the sword needs to have something higher than it to wield it, and that's your soul. That's your spirit. There you go. Yeah, you have to learn to harness that motherfucker. Yes. Yeah. The the soul has to be in charge of the ego, not the other way around. And I think for most people, that's that's where you get in trouble. Is your ego is in charge. Yeah. Yeah. Not to change the subject there. Do you have something else you want no, to say? No, One other thing that I was reminded of that I didn't want to miss yeah. is that, like, I'm happy about moving up to this new place. And I didn't say anything when I sent you the pictures. And it honestly hadn't hit me terribly deeply. But I noticed that there was a really cool cedar tree in the front yard. And it's the first thing you said. Mm-hmm. And that took me back to my first ayahuasca ceremony, which you and I talked about in depth um, the first time I came on your podcast, Mm -hmm. which one of my sort of visions I had in my mind's eye was of this big stout tree and how I couldn't, my, my kids and my wife were blowing around up in the upper branches and I tried to climb up to help them down, but the the branches were too thin and I couldn't climb because the, they kept bending and breaking. So I ended up sliding back down to the bottom and standing at the bottom. I realized that's where I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be that, that thick trunk, the base for them. And that's what I'd been fucking up is that I wasn't that stable base. I was, I don't know, I'm not that, mm-hmm. I guess. Is, um, but it's ironic that I have this big, thick cedar tree 
growing in the front yard of my new place. And this is the new place where I'm going to start to put down. I've never felt like I've had roots since I left home in 1998. Okay. And so for the first time, I feel good about this. I I looked at it and I was like, damn, that tree, there's something about the tree. That's Toby's tree. Just one solid, big ass, solo fucking tree rooted right. Yeah, all by itself, rooted in the ground. He's got a a home, a family. I like seeing you and the kids with some drums just having a fire, like sitting under the tree doing what we did over here. Yep. And I was like, hmm. And now even going more further into it after our little thing that we we accidentally had a little the accidental small ceremony. journey together <laughs> when we were supposed to be podcasting, but it was all good. It, it all turned out. <laughs> I noticed um, when you were saying about your father was like the tree of the family. Yes, my dad was that solid base. And when he died uh, in 2019... That base went away. But I think, you know, so another thing I, I realized in the first ceremony is that he became the roots so that I can build. Now it's my turn to build a thick trunk with him as the roots so that I can support my two boys and someday they'll be able to grow their own tree when I become the roots, right? Mm-hmm. So we all go, that's it's probably why they call it a fucking family tree is that you provide the base and then when you die, you become part of the roots so that your children can become the base for their own family. Yeah. It's my map, Elder Futhark map, yeah. or the world tree, Yagdrizzle, or Avatar, yeah. right? It's all the underworld, the midworld, and the heavens above. Yeah. And it goes salt in the ground that is the memory of all things. Mm-hmm. This is the mercury plane, which is the, the you know, it can transform it either dark or light, and then the sulfur plane above, and it just goes yeah. so over now, and over. Yeah, and now that my life is my own and I'm fully one I'm the only person who has any say in what I do. I'm I'm on a mission to build that solid trunk. We were talking about that on the way back from that ceremony about building the tree and growing big and tall without roots. What is the roots? What what, what when we say like build your roots, what does that fucking mean? And it's like to me that is your why. That's your purpose. That's your why what is it that you truly want and why are you doing it? I don't, yeah, and I think part of, you can't be the roots until you've been the base, mm-hmm. the trunk. And if you never, if you don't build a solid trunk for your children, then they won't have any roots. So you have, if you never make it to solid trunk, you'll never be the roots. But how are you going to get to trunk without roots? Oh, I, I get it. But some pe- someone has to, and some people do. Like people come from bad places. Yeah. And maybe the reality is that, I don't know. Maybe it, maybe it's from elders that you never met. Maybe it's from the ether, or maybe the reality is some trees are able to grow strong with weak roots. You yeah, I mean, so that, they do, and yeah. then usually they fall over later on. You know, they because the roots to me is like it starts with the seed. You leave the house, you go, you you, you leave mom and pa's, and the first thing you do is you, you got to go try to find a place to stay yeah. or a place to live. Mm-hmm. And that's your seed, and you're gonna plant it. And if you do it correctly, your seed will end up growing to where you get a job, you get a girlfriend, you get together, you get married, you have a kid or whatever, you get a home, and now you're transplant, establishing. Transplant that little seedling to the where you're going to make your home. Yeah. 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 And then, dink, 
And then now your roots are going to start growing deeper because your roots, you're growing up, but then your roots aren't very deep. But remember what we were talking about. If you don't grow, it's better to grow your roots super deep and not grow very much up towards the light because long term, the one that grows the deep ass roots lives a way it thrives. It doesn't tip over. It doesn't tip over when the wind comes and when the fucking blizzards come and you know, finances and all this different shit. It doesn't tip over. It sways with, it goes with the wind. I don't know. I guess I'm lucky to have deep roots because I had good parents. Yeah. Your dad showed you how to grow deep roots and now you're doing it all on your own. Your solo tree. Yeah. It's going to be rooted in. And then, and then once the roots are there and they're established, you don't really have to, that doesn't really go away. That's like, that's your root. Yeah. This is why I do all the things I do. Yeah. And then you just grow up and up and up and. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's an hour. I think uh, I think that's a good place to leave it. And I want to hit again on, I think we should plan on a spring veteran ceremony uh, guided by Tyler. And let's start spreading the word. If you guys know someone who's struggling and wants to participate, please send them our way. Again, you can hit us on Instagram at Compassionate Viking or Training Northwest and Compassionate Viking Podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. That's it. And you guys know where to find me. If you'd like to donate anything for, you know, to help bring back the old ways of healing people in different forms other than just going to Walgreens Pharmacy, I would love to share your guys' energy and have whoever comes here be able to share that with you guys too. If you would like to donate to help, you know, purchase a teepee or purchase drums or donate musical instruments. Just let me know. I'm open. And if any of you guys would like to book a one-on-one session with me, same thing. Get a hold of me at CompassionateVikingPodcast at gmail.com. I am here to help. So we'll see you next week, guys. Later. Bye, guys.